0: The following program is for a mature audience, and may contain detailed descriptions of violence. Discretion is advised. Against the unending mist and unseen terrors of the ethereal plane, the radiant citadel stood bright as a bastion of hope. It was a living relic of the ingenuity and collaboration of 27 great civilizations. Abandoned and lost for ages, the citadel was resurrected from its slumber, and reclaimed by the descendants of those societies, though some peoples remained missing. The city served as a nexus for diplomacy and trade, a repository of histories and secrets and a thriving sanctuary for those seeking safety or a better life. The Radiant Citadel, a gathering place of strangers and stories. The ancient writing of Allura a theory. Welcome to Radiant Light, a one d d solo campaign. For almost a decade, millions of players around the world have enjoyed Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition. 1D&D is the codename for the future of D&D. Under this codename, Wizards of the Coast have begun updating and expanding the rules of the game, taking the best parts of 5th edition, creating an experience that is backwards compatible with 5th edition books and will evolve the game for years to come. At the time of recording this, the 1D&D rules are in playtesting with new books slated for release in 2024. Until then, Wizards will drop new materials from them for playtesting. This podcast will take these playtesting materials as they are released and apply them to a solo D&D campaign. Over time, as new rules are added, the campaign will evolve. Let's get to it. To get started, I need to create a party of characters. At the time of recording this, Wizards of the Coast has released just one article in a series of articles that present the playtest material intended for the 1DD Player's Handbook planned for publication in 2024. This article presents rules for nine races, which includes humans, ardlings, dragonborn, dwarves, elves gnomes, halflings, orcs and tieflings. In this campaign I'm going to make a single lone wolf type character with two hirelings to help the character survive. I've already rolled up their ability scores and chosen suitable classes using fifth edition D&D rules as recommended by the one d playtesting materials. When rolling the ability scores, I opted for the old school method of rolling each individual score in order so that way I let the results dictate which classes would fit. Doing it this way I ended up with a barbarian, a fighter and a warlock. Once I finish creating these characters I'll post the character sheets on my blog at solodungeoncrawler.blogspot.com to determine my first character's race, I'm going to roll a 10-sided die. As there are only nine races, if I roll a 10, then I'll just re-roll the die. If you prefer to get straight into the story, then feel free to skip ahead. My first character will be a gnome. Interesting, I've never played a gnome before, so this will be a new experience for me. In 1D&D, A gnome is a humanoid about 3 or 4 feet tall who can live for over 400 years on average. They have two subraces, forest gnome or rock gnome. Rock gnome it is. According to the playtest material, a rock gnome has ancestors who dwelled under mountains on some worlds including Kryn, which is the world of the Dragonlance setting. Rock gnomes are also known as tinker gnomes due to their fondness for artifice and clockwork inventions. Next I need a background. There are 18 backgrounds included in the playtest material, as well as rules to make a background from scratch. I'm going to roll a d20 to determine the background. A roll of 19 or 20 will indicate that a new background will be created from scratch. Here goes. It's an 18. My Rock Gnome will be an Urchin. An Urchin gains ability score increases of plus 2 dexterity and plus 1 wisdom as well as skill proficiencies in insight and stealth, proficiency with thieves tools and the lucky feet. Urchins also know common sign language. Don't worry if any of this information is new to you. As this campaign progresses All these things will be explained in much greater detail. Moving on to my hirelings now. My first hireling will be a human. Humans are resourceful creatures, gaining inspiration whenever they finish a long rest. In 1D&D, the inspiration rules are quite different from 5th edition. When you have inspiration, you can expend it to give yourself advantage on a D20 test. The term d20 test encompasses the three main d20 roles of the game, ability checks, attack rolls, and saving throws. If something in the game affects d20 tests, it affects all three of these roles. To be warranted, a d20 test must have a target number no less than 5 and no greater than 30. The main way a character gains inspiration, is by rolling a 20 for a d20 test. The DM can also award inspiration to a character who's done something that is particularly heroic or amusing. You can never have more than one instance of inspiration. If something gives you inspiration, and you already have it, you can give inspiration to a player character in your group who lacks it. If you still have inspiration when you start a long rest, you lose that inspiration. As well as gaining inspiration from a long rest, humans are also skillful, gaining proficiency in one skill of their choice, and versatile, gaining the skilled feat or another first level feat. Again, don't worry if any of this information is new to you. I'll explain the mechanics in more detail as the campaign progresses. In one D&D, humans are not necessarily of medium size. They can also be small, between two to four feet tall. I'll make a quick roll now to decide. If I roll even, the character is small. If I roll odd, they are medium size. Odd, which will make them medium size. Now I need a background for this character, so that's a D20 roll. It's an 18, so just like my rock gnome, my human will also be an urchin. Now for the second hireling, let's roll for the race. A dwarf. Dwarves have resistance to poison damage and advantage on saving throws to avoid or end the poisoned condition on themselves. They get a plus one hit point bonus at level one and each time they level up, They get proficiency in either jewellers, masons, smiths or tinker's tools. It can also tremor sense as a bonus action. Time to roll for a background. This character will be an acolyte which grants a plus two wisdom and plus one intelligence proficiencies in insight and religion and tool proficiency with calligraphers supplies. Acolytes also know the celestial language and get the magical initiate feat. Now I have populated the world with some new characters. It's time to begin the adventure. As the community of wagons winds their way past Silver Carp Farm, Chon glances back towards the young gnome carrying a long trident and quarterstaff, named Luvia. We're not far now. Here's hoping you're as lucky as your friends say you are. We've come all this way and not seen a single winling. Luvia responds, pleased with themselves, then turns to give a subtle wink to their companions, a young-looking fighting woman in chainmail, and a very young-looking dwarf wearing peculiar amber-coloured leather armour stitched in a mosaic-like pattern. Well, if it's true as they say... We'll be lining our pockets sooner than later." Chon responds with a smile, his purple hair bouncing about on his head. A strange choice of colour for a man in his middle years, Luvia thought. But then again, he was a free thinker according to his own words. The mission was simple, Luvia and their two hirelings Rowan and Venifer, who are currently costing a stifling four gold pieces per day, were hired by Chon. To escort his wagon to a popular night market and seek out a rare treasure available only there. Piece of cake right? Well there's the added complication of the windlings, playful and mischievous creatures who defend the mountains and alpine vales against trespassers. A windling rarely engages a threat directly, preferring to deter intruders by harassing them with thefts and pranks. Many travelers return from lands protected by windlings with stories of vanishing equipment and curious eyes staring out from the shadows. As the wagons close in on their intended destination, night is drawing in quickly and the roads leading through the valley of Sabsunko will be much more dangerous. It is the 24th day of the month of Chess, also known as the Claw of Sunsets in the year 1495 DR and spring has just arrived, marked by its equinox just three days past. Amid the heart of the valley, laupop flowers begin to bathe the nightly mountain jungle in their soft blue-purple light. This lush, luminescent jungle sits within a vivid patchwork of rural farms. Well-kept roads crisscross the region, connecting the populous Dinsing Night Market with the scattered communities of the outer edges which border the mountain. This regional market attracts visitors from distant lands with delicious foods, rare treasures and all manner of unpredictable fortunes. Tourists nicknamed this ever-changing district the Dancing Night Market due to its festive atmosphere and the colourful displays of magical lights that illuminate vendors' wares. As the sun finally dips below the horizon, the Dinsing Night Market twinkles to life, gradually igniting in a dazzling display. The smells of food cats filled with pot stickers, coconut desserts, spiced meats, sticky buns, and more drift amid bright bouquets of glowing flowers and magical lights in the shapes of vendors' wares and whimsical mascots. Crowds of shoppers wander the stalls, drawn by the colours, smells, and music. Visitors might sample fine desserts, seek the expert works of artisan families, or be entertained by groups like the folklore sharing Dancers of Smoke. Becoming a vendor at the Dinsing Night Market involves gaining the favor of the five oldest families of Sabsunko, then paying a large fee to prove success. While this approval process was initially created to prevent corruption, Many would-be vendors spend years saving for the fee even after earning the family's favour. Many older families have grown greedy and try to stifle competition from new vendors. As Chon's wagon begins to travel through the market, making its way toward the larger central tents, Luvia's eyes grow wide in fascination at the wonderful sights, sounds and smells. They had never seen anything like this before. Luvia Orimar Lucky Pocket grew up on the streets doing odd jobs for food. At times when the hunger became unbearable they resorted to theft. A simple escort job and retrieval of a priceless item for an extra profit was more than good enough reason to agree to a job like this with few questions asked. As the party makes their way through the endless maze of stalls, Rowan reaches out to touch a luxurious silk garment. He catches the eye of an old gnome seamster, dressed in brightly coloured garments. Fat blue caterpillars with feathery antennae sit perched on her shoulder, atop her head, and on her hand. The old gnome seamster glares at Rowan with suspicion over the top of her large pair of glasses. Look at this! Venifer says holding a length of ambucled silk and glancing over at Rowan it matches your leather she turns to the seamster how much for this cape? 50 gold pieces the quality of this is outstanding very very nice work Venifer pauses thoughtfully then continues I'd really like to buy this as a gift for my friend here but I have nowhere near that kind of money and what little I do have is going to ensure we survive the next few weeks do you think we might come to some other arrangement? I'm gonna make the first official roll of the game here. Venifer is attempting to persuade the seamster to come down significantly in price. She will need to roll a persuasion check. Wow, the first roll of the game is a natural one. In one d and if you roll a one on the D20, the D20 test automatically fails, regardless of any modifiers to the role. Move along, the to says dismissively, as she snatches the silk back from Venifer. Shouting suddenly rises over the sounds of sizzling street food and other haggling shoppers. A shrill voice cries out. Give it back, you little thief. Now you're the thief, replies the youngster with a panicked squeak. An instant later a frantic cobalt bursts from the crowd, clutching the size of a sizeable bunch of green onions. A flustered gnome woman chases him. Stay tuned to find out what happens next. Before I continue with the adventure, I just want to clarify each character's race and class to help you hold the story in your imagination. Luvia is a rock gnome barbarian, Venifer a human fighter, and Rowan a dwarf warlock. With that cleared up, I also want to bring to your attention that at the time of recording this, Halloween is just around the corner. This is my favourite time of year. I absolutely love autumn and I love Halloween. Coinciding with this, I have just reached 3000 YouTube subscribers. This is a real milestone and I want to mark both these occasions by doing something involving friends of the show. So if you're listening to this and you're staying along for the ride, then that's you you are formally invited to contribute to the world of this solo campaign and have one of your creations featured on the show. For the next installment of this series, I would like you to design a spooky Halloween themed market stall for my characters to visit at the Din Sing Night Market. Alongside this, the stall should come complete with a write up of a creepy NPC who will be the vendor of the stall. To submit your creation, all you have to do is either visit my youtube channel at youtube.com forward slash c forward slash solo dungeon crawler forward slash community, where I have posted up details of the competition. You can enter by leaving a comment on the post containing the details of your entry. Alternatively, you can send me a private message on twitter At crawler solo. All I'm looking for is a write up describing the market stall and the stall's vendor, and I will pick one to feature on the show. If you have any questions, then feel free to get in touch via the YouTube community post or on Twitter. I look forward to your entries, but in the meantime, back to the game. Luvia and her hired companions are exploring the Dinsing Night Market. The sudden commotion caused by a young onion thieving kobold has caught their attention. They watch as a gnome woman chases after the fleeing kobold youngster. The young kobold weaves and bobs through the crowd and heads straight towards Luvia, who cannot move out of the way quick enough. The kobold clumsily collides with Luvia who despite their short stature, holds their ground. The kobold, only a few feet tall, bounces off Luvia and falls to the ground. A moment later, the pursuing gnome catches up and she attempts to yank the green onions from the kobold's hands while railing at him. As the squabblers fight over the onions, Rowan leans forward and attempts to snatch them for himself. I'll take those, cheers. Rowan will need to succeed on a DC 12 strength athletics check. He gets a plus 2 to the roll due to his strength bonus. He rolls 11 in total, which is a fail. He tries to pull the onions towards him, but the squabblers will not let go. They plant their feet in the dirt and are dragged a couple of feet forward as they hold on for dear life. Less than a minute later, an older kobold woman appears from the surrounding crowd. That's enough LeMay, you're behaving no better than our parents did, stealing from me and attacking my son. This kicks off a fresh bout of arguing, with LeMay claiming she saw the young kobold steal the onions. However, the young kobold accuses LeMay of stealing the onions first from their seafood cart and knocking it over. Rapid fire, increasingly outlandish indictments and assumptions follow. Can you all just calm down? The arguing kobold woman doesn't seem to hear Venifer's words. As if noticing the party for the first time, she turns from her son and the irate gnome shopkeeper. You, you strangers, look like capable sorts. I'm Kusa Zungoon, proprietor of market famous Zungoon Family Seafood. For a fish typhoon, you'll wish for some Help us deal with this scoundrel, and I'll make it worth your while. Scoundrel? The gnome shouts, turning to face the party. You don't look like you're wrapped up in market politics. I'm Lamai Tienmo, help me figure out what's going on here, and I'll give you a lifetime supply of delicious noodles from Tienmo Noodles. Both women turned toward each other, quarrelling anew over what they'll offer the party to help them. This includes offers in gold pieces, grandiose delicacies and family cooking secrets, such as a feast of thrice-fried Tarascu trout or the secret of making bewildering Mobius noodles. Both vendors are eager to prove that other is to blame for the vandalism and sabotage both of their market stalls have been suffering. While the argument escalates, Rowan reaches into his backpack and pulls out a small bag and unties it. He pours a small amount of sand from it into his palm and blows it towards the squabblers. Kusa and Lamai, through their startlement, stop bickering immediately. I will give the party a choice here. They can choose to ally with either Kusa or Lamai for a 100 gold piece reward and a lifetime supply of free meals from their employer's cart. Alternatively, if the characters don't want to pick sides, but agree to investigate, then both shopkeepers are convinced they've successfully hired the party. A roll of a die will decide for the party. The party will not take sides, but will agree to investigate the shopkeeper's stands and the surrounding market, and uncover whether one of the vendors is sabotaging the other. Following the heated exchange, the gawking crowds and shopkeepers disperse. The party doesn't get far before another market vendor approaches them. This human man wears a flashy green shirt with a high collar and gold filigree trim shaped like hot peppers. He smiles while shaking his head as he approaches. Allow me to introduce myself, the man says with a bow. I am Kasim Arun one of the owners of the Spice Brothers store. Venifer returns a fake smile at the man, but Rowan steps forward and holds out his hand to shake. Nice to meet your acquaintance, Cassim. Perhaps you can help us. We are members of the Merchants Guild who oversee conduct here in this market. We're investigating claims of a possible sabotage on a few of the stores. You wouldn't happen to know anything about that, would you? Rowan is attempting to deceive Cassim, so he will need to perform a Charisma Deception check. He is proficient with this skill and also has a high Charisma score. He gains a plus 5 bonus to his roll. He rolls a 23 altogether. That's a pretty good roll. Kasim lets out a sigh of regret. The families here just can't get along, he laments. Some vendors just give the night market a bad name. But isn't it beautiful? He waves his hand in a flamboyant gesture and continues in elaborate speech. It would be a shame to ruin the night embroiled in politics. I presume you know the market well. Absolutely like the back of my hand, Rowan responds confidently. No grand tour required, then. Kasim bows once again. I wish you. A pleasant evening. As Kasim turns and begins to walk away, Rowan shouts after him suspiciously. You didn't answer my question. How so? Kasim responds with a subtle mask of bewilderment. I asked if you knew anything about sabotage. Will the party successfully extract information from Kareem Arun? Can they get to the bottom of the feud between the squabbling market vendors and secure their promised reward? While investigating the Dinsing Night Market, will they also discover the rare treasure which Chon Adelson hired them to seek out? Find out next time. You have been listening to Radiant Light. I sincerely hope you have enjoyed this episode. If you would like to send a small donation to show your appreciation and help support this show so it can continue to grow and expand, then please visit paypal.me forward slash Tom In this episode, I'd like to thank Vinny for his kind donation in August. Thank you so much. If you have listened on YouTube, please give this video a like. Feel free to add a comment to let me know your thoughts. If you don't want to miss a future video, then make sure you subscribe and click the bell icon to receive a notification when I upload a new one. If you have listened using a podcatcher, such as Apple or Google Podcasts, Podbean, Amazon or Audible, then I'd appreciate it if you would leave a five-star review. These things really help and they let me know that the work I put into this show is worth it, and that I'm making content that people like. Another way you can support this show is by sharing it with your friends or followers on social media. Recommendations go a long way in bringing in new listeners and ensuring the continuation of the show. Thanks for listening, and as always, see you next session.